0: Crypto, what do we know about crypto? Not much. So let's figure crypto out together. One of the two hosts knows about crypto,
1: the other one doesn't funny. Buddy. So let's have some fun and
0: figure it out together.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of What the Heck is Crypto. I am your host, Stephen. Adam could not be with us today, unfortunately, so you're going to get another solo episode from me, uh, but that's all right. Be a little less funny as per usual, but I hope to bring you all of the news and insights that's going to help you uh, become a better, uh, more knowledgeable crypto investor. Now, we've been talking a lot in recent weeks about uh, crypto price, obviously, because it, it has been... Falling rather precipitously since a uh, little bear market rally this summer, but I don't think we've really ever gone into a lot of detail on on what exactly is driving crypto prices these days, and 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 what has been driving crypto price for not just 2021, where we've had a precipitous crash in the markets, but but even in the decade decade and a half uh, before that, so. Uh, my hope is that after today's episode, uh, if you are just kind of staring at charts and wondering why the price goes up so high and, and then down so low, that you, you have a little bit more context as to what the heck is uh, happening in the markets and, and why uh, the coin prices are doing what they're doing. Now, I think it's important to go way back in time, uh, well, way back in crypto time anyway, to uh, 2008 the great financial crisis. And as, as many of you know, um, we had a, a complete collapse of the uh, mortgage-backed security market uh, and it's caused a bunch of uh, systemic risk to ripple throughout the system to the point where we had entire banks go under Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns. It was really uh, a black swan event, uh, the likes of which nobody had ever really seen. And, and very few people uh, save for the uh, famous Michael Burry of uh, big short fame, uh, saw coming and perhaps not coincidentally, uh, 2008 was not just the Genesis of a, uh, new paradigm in, in monetary policy that we we've come to know as a quantitative easing, but it also happened to coincide with the invention of, of Bitcoin itself. And I, I think these two events are, you know, probably pretty, uh, related. So, so what exactly is uh, quantitative easing or, or, or QE as it's uh, referred to in the market? So, I mean, without, without going into uh, too much detail on the uh, process by, by, by which it takes place, it, it sort of just generally refers to the uh, federal reserve um, growing the size of its balance sheet in an, in an effort to sort of uh, manipulate interest rates lower. And this was done post-crisis to try to restore, uh, the system. I mean, at the time, and it's hard to comprehend that now in a, in a world with, you know, double digit inflation, but, but at the time there was a concern that there was going to be a, a deflationary collapse, um, something that would basically wreck the entire global financial system. You know, we're talking a great depression type event and, and at the time, the Fed, the Fed was really trying to create inflation, and for the, the years after the GFC, they were, you know ex- expressly worried about inflation being, uh, being too low. So since 2008, we basically have had this this paradigm where interest rates throughout the market have just been ridiculously low, and then our, our European brothers um, have had interest rates below zero at some points in time. Uh, and what this does is it, it really warps the financial markets in a way, right? Like if you cannot get a yield in bonds, like in the 80s, you could get double-digit yields investing in bonds. But in the mid-2000s, you know, 2000s, 2010s, you had no ability to earn a yield in bonds. I mean, if you put your money in a 1%... Government treasury. I mean, you're basically losing one or two percent a year to inflation, and 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 who wants to do that, right? So, what this did was it sort of incentivized a lot of money to f- flow like further out the risk curve and to to go into uh, the stock market and especially uh, long duration stuff like like tech stocks. Um, not, not only do low interest rates like encourage capital to flow into equities and to flow into more risk in order to, to earn a return. But when you have stocks that are long dated in terms of where their earnings are going to be, right? Like you may be a startup tech company and you're, you're losing money. Uh, You don't have earnings, but your, your growth is sort of projected out into earnings, you know, a decade or maybe even two decades into the future. Um, so these, these small cap tech companies, because they are, um, discounting cash flows so far into the future they're very very sensitive to interest rates especially the 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 long duration interest rates so when we had 10-year 30-year rates um near zero for a decade and a half um effectively the lower the rates go the higher the earnings multiples people are willing to pay for stocks and, and the higher the the price goes up and We've also observed a similar effect in, in the housing market, like really since the 80s, when Volcker jacked rates up to 20% or wherever, um, interest rates have effectively been basically down only since the 80s. And I think you really see the effect of this in in the housing market. Rates that are sort of always declining. If you think about what it means to sort of buy a house, like most people are buying houses on the basis of their mortgage payment uh, if they can afford six thousand dollars a month they will look for a house that um, you know has, has a mortgage payment payment of six thousand dollars a month and that may be yeah maybe a half a million dollar house when the interest rate is six percent and it may be a million dollar house when the interest rate is is three percent um, so as interest rates keep going lower and lower and lower over time uh, the mortgage payment for the same house goes down. And as the payment goes down, there's sort of more demand from people at that payment level. And that demand ends up pushing the payment back up to that same level. But what it does is it pushes the value of the, the home higher. So we've had effectively like three or almost four decades at this point of just up only housing, right? Which has been largely driven by this, this sort of centrally guided interest rate policy. And that that same interest policy, right has also caused a phenomenal stock market bubble, especially a bubble you know reminiscent of the the uh, early uh, tech bubble in in tech companies and in, in, in equity so so what, what does this all have to do with crypto? Well, it's important to understand as a as a crypto investor that Bitcoin is not a particularly old asset, right? like as I said earlier it was it was created in in two thousand eight two thousand nine you know first became uh, known about and, and and mined. so you compare that to something like gold, which has been around for for thousands of years and and we don't really have a good sample size to evaluate what bitcoin does in particular types of markets and and a lot of people have been just looking at the Bitcoin chart, and it's you know volatile, yes, but it, it goes way up and down, and it goes way up higher and down, and 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 a lot of us have been conditioned to thinking that you know this particular asset is is sort of up only, much in the same way that I think investors got conditioned to buy into the whole uh, stocks only go up thing that happened uh, post COVID, and and like yeah, I, I forgot to mention this actually in the the earlier part of the monologue. But, um, in 2020 during the, the, the COVID crash, like we had a similar injection of liquidity to what happened, um, post great financial crisis, except this one was orders of magnitude larger than the, the GFC. Uh, We, we thought we were injecting liquidity after the great financial crisis, people were freaking out over how much, uh, Liquidity was injected into the system back then. and But what, what we did during COVID and what we did worldwide during COVID uh, just absolutely dwarfed what happened, uh, you know, 14, 14 years earlier. And unsurprisingly, much as Bitcoin rose like parabolically from basically nothing post great financial crisis to a valuation of $20,000 and in 2017, before crashing to around 3,000 and the COVID lows, it it then immediately rose from you know 3,000 to 69,000 or or whatever in just a couple of years, you know post post these uh, post these lows. And it's important to understand that because Bitcoin doesn't really have any utility, it doesn't really have any any cash flows. Um, it really is a, a speculative asset in spite of what most, you know, Bitcoiners will will sort of preach. Much in the same way that a brand new tech company with no earnings, right, is sort of priced on some fu- future expectation of, of value, so too, I think, is is the Bitcoin network. And, and so too are, are most every other cryptocurrency, you know, that basically there are very few coins in crypto that have anything that you would call um, cash flows, you know, something that you could model in terms of like a, you know, earnings per share type thing that you would, you would look at to, to value stocks. And because this entire asset class, you know, led by Bitcoin um, is basically like trading on pure speculation. I mean, we can think of crypto in a way as sort of just a gigantic liquidity battery, right? Um, When the Fed turned on the spigot in 2008 and then they did it again, you know, times 20 in 2020, um, they basically unleashed all of this liquidity into the system. And that that capital goes in search of a return and it goes farther and farther and farther out on the risk curve to the point where not only is Bitcoin 69,000, um, but you have people uh, bidding on houses and buying them sight unseen uh, near where I live in California. You have people uh, spending uh, over a million dollars on NFTs that are little more than just words on a black background and, you know, monkey pictures that people minted for a couple hundred bucks go into the millions in valuation and Dog Coins spin off new Dog Coin clones and Elon Musk goes on SNL and and, and Shills Dogecoin and Dave Portnoy becomes a, a, a day trader. I mean, what we experienced over the last couple of years was in my opinion, a, a blow off top, right? It was the height of sort of irrational exuberance and irrational exuberance that started in 2008 2009 and ran all the way up until COVID, where we thought the bubble popped, but in reality, we just like really injected the patient with even more, uh, <laughs> even more heroin, and 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 the market just went even higher than people thought. So here we are at the end of the last crypto bubble in November. Once again, Bitcoin is sixty nine thousand. Everybody sort of thinks there's some. Uh, new paradigm here. The fed can't really ever raise interest rates again because, uh, you know, the government will collapse or whatever reason. And, you know, people are calling for a million dollar price targets on Bitcoin and, and, uh, you know, 6,000 on, on the S and P and, you know, everything is, uh, is great. Everybody's having a good time. But earlier this year, um, the federal reserve and, uh, our man, Jerome Powell decided that, uh, the party was over. Uh, inflation, it turned out, was, was not transitory, according to the Fed. And based upon lessons we learned in the, the 70s, um, the, the Fed basically decided that uh, we had to get inflation under control, um, because if we didn't bring it down, uh, inflation could become persistent and, and sticky and just be with us for, you know, for, you know, over a decade, if not Longer and 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 this would be a, a very painful result for the markets. Uh, the idea that it'd be better to just cause some short term pain and and bring inflation back to a normal level, and then and then everything can kind of uh, move on from there, rather than dragging it out for 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 multiple decades. Right now, initially, the market did not really believe what you know Jerome said he was going to do, and. You know, even when he hiked a little bit, I mean, stocks took a little bit of a hit. Crypto took a little bit of a hit, but there was still a lot of optimism that, you know, much like in, in 2018, 2019, uh, the Fed would just pivot again as soon as the economy looked bad. I mean, the markets have been conditioned for a long time now to basically believe in the Fed put the idea that there is a uh, a strong hand waiting underneath the market to always support asset prices. Well, fast forward to today, and it's clear that the markets have, have gotten the memo and that the Fed is absolutely uh, not going to pivot uh, anytime soon. And this became like really, really apparent, I think, after the uh, September inflation print and the, the August Jackson Hole meeting uh, where Jerome gave his speech. Uh, in, in the summer, we, we had bottomed for a bit. Uh, there was a quite magnificent bear market rally, um, but the inflation print in, in September and the Fed commentary made it, made it pretty clear that not, not only were short-term rates going to go higher, but they were going to go higher for a longer period of time than the market had been uh, pricing in. And, and not surprisingly, you saw most all of crypto kind of crash again. Ethereum went from you know 800 to 2,000 and then crashed all the way back down to uh, the mid 1,200s pretty pretty quickly as this uh, correction took place. So 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 why does this affect crypto in in the way it does? Well, well as I said earlier, because most of crypto is like a purely speculative asset that doesn't have any ties to cash flows, right? Like if you're buying Solana, there's no real way to model what Solana is worth, right? It's not like by holding Solana, you are entitled to earnings as a shareholder. The same is true with 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 bitcoin When you hold bitcoin you you don't you don't get any earnings, right It's kind of similar to a commodity like like oil like oil doesn't necessarily have earnings attached to it but unlike bitcoin unlike you know a lot of these cryptos although you could maybe make an argument otherwise but for the most part the these items not only don't have earnings but they also don't really have utility or if they do have utility their utility is just so marginal in terms of their value composition as a, as opposed to like all of their their speculative value so effectively in order for the price of crypto to keep going up because there are no earnings to support the price, what happens is that price just simply goes up as liquidity comes into the market. But when liquidity is withdrawn from the market, because there are no earnings to support price, well, price, price crashes. And what the Fed is doing by hiking rates is effectively withdrawing liquidity from the market, right? And not only is the Fed hiking rates, but they're also engaging in something called quantitative tightening. They are um, basically winding down their balance sheet. This very same balance sheet buildup that was like supporting asset prices for many, many years is now being wound down. So you have a lot of things that are now a headwind to to equities in, in crypto. And and it is important to note that in spite of what people tell you about Bitcoin, it, it, it seems to Basically, just be like a sort of uh, leveraged version of of owning the Nasdaq or any other tech stock, right? And what's happening right now is terrible for tech stocks. They have their earnings out in the future. They're a long duration asset, and they're getting wrecked by these 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 high interest rates. Um, so, not only is, liter- is is liquidity literally being withdrawn from the market via via QT, but this whole process of like interest rates going up is 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 also just Bearish for stocks, right? Like, Why why would you own a very risky stock when you can earn uh, 4% right now in a five-year treasury, completely risk-free? So as these interest rates go higher and higher and higher, more and more people look at the markets and go, hmm, wait, why do I want to buy this stock that's going down that's risky? Why wouldn't I just get 4%, 5% in a bond? And a lot of equity, excuse me, a lot of uh, liquidity moves out of markets into these other assets. We have this, this, this rotation from, from risky assets into, into less risky assets. And compounding this problem now, um, we're sort of not only just withdrawing liquidity from the market, not only going through a normal downturn, but the, the U.S. dollar is, is now rising so precipitously that we are sort of on the verge of causing a a, a worldwide financial crisis. In fact, this week, the uh, Bank of England announced that they were effectively engaging in you know what is what is basically like short term uh, quantitative easing because um, because interest rates on on gilts had, had moved so rapidly, like uh, trillions of dollars of funds and pension funds were, were now uh, under threat of going. Uh, going going bankrupt. They're over leveraged in, in the bond market. And the bank had to come in and basically buy bonds in order to keep the rate down to avoid uh, a, a complete blow up in the system. So I don't think I have to tell you that, uh, you know, worldwide solvency crises, uh, currency crises are are probably not good for the stock market. And as a result, they're they're probably not good for, for crypto. And I think 2022 has just been a really difficult time for all investors because no matter what you've owned, you've gotten absolutely destroyed for the most part. Stocks are way down. Bonds, you know, which people think of as being this sort of safe haven asset are down like 20, 25% on the year, I believe. Um, the sort of 60-40 portfolio that everybody used to talk about, um, stocks and bonds, right? That's gone totally out the window. It used to be that bonds would kind of carry your portfolio when stocks went down and, you know, they sort of went hand in hand as a diversifier. But now everything's just going down together. And I think that's because we are now like in this just massive deleveraging period, right? So for a long time, since 2008, 2009, we have been pumping all of this juice into the system and it's given us you know the likes of of of, of NFTs and and and, and Arc and and Tesla bubbles and and Bitcoin going from pennies to $69,000 right and that was never sustainable and it's important to note now that like this bubble has to deflate and it's possible it deflates a little bit but then they kind of fire up the money printers again and and we we go back up, but like uh, ultimately, at some point, um, there there has to be some sort of um, of release valve in the system here because w- what is happening is is simply not sustainable. I mean, you've had great investors like Stanley Druckenmiller, who the other day said uh, he he doesn't own anything, doesn't see the point of anything other than cash right now. I mean, he said that he could see the stock market uh, break even for for ten years and and. And if you are new to crypto, right, you've never been through a bear market, you, you may not know what it's like to uh, have your coin go down 97%, right? And you may think that when your coin is down 80%, that's, that's the bottom, but you, you're not aware that like you can keep cutting that in half over and over and over again. And it can get pretty, it can get pretty brutal out there. Um, so definitely be careful with what
0: you're doing. Give me your crypto, punk! Uh, I don't wanna. Pum, pum, pum. Damn it! I wish I, I wish I didn't give him my crypto. Guys, Adam Ray here for what the heck is crypto? And now that I got your attention, look: in the last ten years, over one hundred billion dollars worth of crypto has been lost or stolen, specifically because of poor key management, scams, and hackers. God, I hate hackers. Forget not your keys, not your crypto. Software and hardware wallets both have the same vulnerability. A single private key that can be lost, hacked, or simply misplaced. It's our new sponsor, guys. Here What the Heck is Crypto? The ZenGo Crypto Wallet. It's a total game changer, bringing wallet security to a whole new level. Your ZenGo account is secured by three factors, which makes recovery simple and stress-free. After all, with no private key to steal, your crypto assets and NFTs are much more difficult to hack. Duh, there's a reason why Zengo is able to claim itself as Web3's most secure wallet. Love that. Zengo has it all. Multi-chain support. Buy, trade, connect to Web3 apps and store your crypto with ZEN. Zengo has a legendary in-app 24-7 live support with real humans. That rules. We don't want bots. We want realsies. Here's what you do. Zengo is the most secure Web3 wallet out there and the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs and assets secure. So... If you want to get a part of this, which I know you do, because look, it also it's fully recoverable using their biometric recovery kit. Get started right now: ZenGo.com/Adam and use the promo code Adam to get twenty bucks back on your first purchase of two hundred dollars or more. That's Zen Z E N Go slash adam code Adam for twenty bucks back on your first purchase of two hundred dollars or more. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: Now I don't want this to be a total doom and gloom episode because the 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 other side of this coin is that you have to understand that money isn't really made in the in the bull markets of crypto, right? It's it's made in the bear markets. And everybody does this, you know, for the most part the the, the opposite way. Uh, everybody is texting me, uh you tweeting at me in the bull, you know, calling me up. Hey, should I buy Ethereum at $4,000? Hey, should I buy Bitcoin at $50,000? And by the time everybody starts calling me in bull markets, I I usually know it's, you know, time to pack my bags and and go home because the, you know, the guy driving the Uber who starts talking to you about, you know, buying the dog coins or whatever stupid crap people are buying at the time, like once that person is buying, there is there is nobody left to buy after that and it's not shocking that price collapses so at times like this the bear like this is when as an investor you like you have to keep your head in the game a you have to protect your capital right like i'd be very careful catching knives right now be very careful um but even just holding stuff you've already held down you know 70% like if you don't know why you have the coin or what it does or it, there's 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 nothing wrong with with tossing it and sitting on cash and and, and waiting for the dust to clear. Um, there's, there's no reason to kind of hold your, your, your trash coins down, down to zero because every dollar you lose now, like when we do bottom is, is, is maybe 10 or a hundred dollars that you, you don't gain from riding the next wave up. And there will be another wave up. Like this isn't the end of crypto. And when everybody starts telling you it it is the end of crypto, that probably will be a, a good indicator uh, to buy. Um, usually, most people in in a, in a bear market, right? They what really gets them isn't necessarily the prices crashing. Ultimately, what gets them is is the boredom, because when we when we do bottom, it does get pretty dull out there. It has gotten very quiet in the past and we've gone months, years, even with nothing happening and, and people leave. And the savvy investors are staying around, like paying attention and they're, they're buying up the bottom on these good projects that have kind of gone down and they have been thrown out with the bathwater. Um, while everybody else sort of just comes back into it once it gets hot again and they hear the news. But by then, you know, Ethereum's already gone from $80 to, to $1,400, like, like, like in the last bear and Bitcoin's already gone from 3000 to, to, uh, to 40,000, right. You've already missed, uh, most of the move. Okay. So, so how do you know that it is time to buy? You know, how do you know that the worst is over? Well, it's certainly not a simple question. And, and if I knew the answer to that with uh, certainty, I would, uh, I'll be traveling around the world on my super yacht and, and not doing a podcast for you. But with that being said, there are strategies you can look for, right? There are things that can kind of give you an indication that the, the market has been de-risked and now is the time to start accumulating. I suspect, given everything that the Fed has said, right, much in the same way that they were late to the party stopping inflation, they're probably also going to be late to the party in terms of uh, taking their foot off the uh, off the economic brakes. Um, the Federal Reserve uses this like lagging, backwards looking data, and you can pretty reliably, you know, know that that means they're going to over tighten much in the same way they over loosen, right? So you don't really have to worry about them pivoting on a dime, I think. I think what's going to happen is they're just simply going to keep tightening until something actually breaks. And when when I mean something breaks, it doesn't mean the stock market goes down 30%. I don't think they care about the stock market. Um, breaking means, you know, like a maybe a worldwide currency crisis, the euro at 70 cents and the U.S. dollar index goes from, you know, Ninety cents or seventy cents, where it was, um, you know, years ago, to to a hundred and a hundred and fifty. Right, uh, we're talking about some systemic failure in the system, much in the same way that we had like a systemic failure in the banking system in two thousand eight. Right, I, I think that because in the seventies and in the eighties, like central bankers learned that they they can't just ease the second inflation lets up because it sort of spurs more inflation back on. Right like if CPI comes a little bit lower and the Fed goes, oh, all right, inflation's coming down, let's stop jacking rates. Well, what happens is the NASDAQ goes back up, risk assets go back up, everybody feels wealthier and richer again, and inflation goes back up. So, so they're almost pinned in a corner where they have to actually drive the car completely off the cliff and crash it so bad that there's not this risk of inflation spiking again. And they're not saying it out loud because it's very bad politically, but, but what that basically means is they want a lot of more people to, to not have jobs. And they want a lot more people to be a lot poorer in their stock market portfolios. And they want a lot of people who bought a house at the top of the market to be absolutely wrecked and be down 20 or 30% on their investment. And until all that happens, uh, I don't think the the dust is going to settle. I would be surprised if Bitcoin did not lose like another 30 or 40% from here uh, at least like when i look at the crypto market like to to me most of the altcoins in the crypto market are are basically just the the essence of everything the fed is trying to undo these these 100 multi hundred million dollar market cap coins that just do absolutely nothing they're just the product of of pure you know, post-COVID stimulus uh, speculative fervor, right? Many of these absolutely trash projects are, are, are still trading at like six or seven times the price they were trading like for pre-COVID. And it's, it's just very difficult for me to believe that most of the air has finally been let out of the balloon and, until we finally see uh, all of these super high risk assets deflate and, you know, approach at at a minimum, you know, the, the prices that they were at in the beginning of 2021, if not the prices they were at before, um, were at the bottom of of the COVID lows anyway. Um, and so I, I think that we are quite a ways away from that. And I I think people like have a bad time of dealing with like time, right. And, and markets, like we, think things are going to recover a lot faster than they are and it, it can be sobering to look back at a chart and and see bitcoin or ethereum moving sideways and look at that and go like oh my god that was that was 18 months of nothing from the point where everybody was like hmm, maybe this is maybe this is the bottom and, and and most people can't uh stick around that long so i think if you're an investor the thing you have to think about right now is 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 being patient most of all i i think that like i said the the fed will pivot at some point but only when they're forced to only when things are so bad and the problem with investing in crypto right now is that if you don't think rates come back down until something breaks something breaking is also not bullish for crypto right so in between in between crypto going back up and the current point in time, there also has to be this sort of like cataclysmic event, which is similar to the way COVID caused you know crypto to almost go to zero. This too could be super 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 uh, negative for crypto prices, right? So you're sort of better off waiting for that event to happen, to wait for not only there to be blood in the streets, but for you know people to be literally on their way to to, to clean up the mess. Um, that's when you want to really start uh, mashing the buy button again. But with that being said, it's important to realize that macroeconomics is, is very difficult to predict. And, and everybody who tells you that they know what is going to happen six months from now in the world is, is probably full of crap. And you, you have to look no further than just the predictions most people were making you know, a year ago about the present day. Uh, to see that uh, you know, these, uh, these macroeconomists or forecasters are, are, are notoriously poor at being able to predict exactly what will happen in the world. And because it's impossible to know for sure what's going to happen, when you have an investment that you believe in for the long run, right? Like you know, something like Bitcoin or, or Ethereum, you know, something that I, I really believe in for, for the long haul, um, I never want to sell all of my Ethereum and I always want to be buying like a little bit, even if it's five or 10% of my allocation, because, because I I could be wrong. Everybody could be wrong right now. Like we could have already seen the bottom. I I don't think it's likely, but you, you have to realize that it's certainly possible. And if it's 10% or 20% possible, then maybe you should have 10% or 20% of your market uh, of your money in the market right now. Just in case that that is in fact the uh, scenario that we're seeing. So yeah, I hope that was helpful for you guys. I mean, I I, I guess in summary, realize that if you're investing in crypto, what you're really doing is going long liquidity and we are in a negative liquidity environment Um, and it's, it's bad for literally all assets. Everything is going down. Bonds are going down. Oil is going down. Gold is going down stocks are going down, uh, your crypto is more likely than not going to keep going down because it is basically a liquidity battery. It goes up with liquidity, it goes down without liquidity. With that being said, we've talked about this a little bit on the pod before, um, but I want to preach it again because in, in the whole crypto landscape, There is one coin now that is is separating itself from this idea that the price is nothing more than the inflow of capital coming in and the inflow of capital going out. Um, And that's, of course, uh, Ethereum, if you've been listening to this show. Ethereum, unlike any other major cryptocurrency that that I am aware of, has this built-in demand into the token, right? So there, there are internal flows from people using the network because you need to use Ethereum to use the network. And these internal flows of capital, this internal demand actually creates intrinsic demand for the Ethereum token in a way that doesn't happen in any other token, right? Like Bitcoin does not have any sort of like fee demand that supports price and Solana and Avalanche and all these L1s, they do not have any sort of demand um, for fees on the network that support the price. But, but Ethereum does. And even in this very, very nasty bear market where there's basically no usage of anything, right? Ethereum is still basically flat in terms of its inflation, which means there doesn't have to be new money coming into the market to support the price, and I, I think the market isn't really aware of this yet. I think that people have not like kind of come to recognize that there's been this this split into this new kind of crypto that didn't exist before, right There's sort of like ethereum, and then there's everything else now in terms of in terms of like the the tokenomics, if you will, and I suspect that smart money is going to be Accumulating Ethereum um, during this bear market it, it very, very, very heavily, and I, I, think that you know I don't I don't know if we're going to go to a thousand or seven hundred or even sub four hundred, but but I but I can tell you that uh, I will personally be buying all the way down because I think on a you know five or ten year um, time horizon, uh, Ethereum is really going to differentiate itself from every other coin. Um, and when the usage of the, the network does start going back up in a bull market, as it, as it always does, um, suddenly those flows are going to be more apparent, right? Like the merge was a couple of weeks ago and two weeks of reduced selling pressure on a coin, right? Like, so the merge I think reduced selling pressure by probably like 20 or $25 million a day on Ethereum. And while that sounds like a lot of money, um, I think the daily volume of Ethereum is, some, is something like $20 billion or $2 or $20 billion on a very large, very large number. And, and 20 million is sort of like a drop in the bucket over you know a, a day or two days or even a week. Um, but $20 million in reduced pressure every single day for 180 days, 365 days, 720 days, 1,000 days, like pretty soon that starts adding up. And I think you're going to start seeing it in the charts. And then when people see that, you know, they're, they're, they're going to start piling into this, this asset. So, so yeah, my, my personal philosophy right now is that I don't really want to own much of anything. I think everything's going down. I want to be sitting on a lot of cash. I want to be in a position of power to uh, buy assets, whether that be crypto or stocks or or, or whatever um, at the bottom and not be in a position where I have to sell stuff I already have in order to, you know, not get liquidated or, or, or pay bills. Because even though it's, it is like a bit of a dark time out there for, for investors, um, for those of you who are savvy and who, who do have patience and, and, and who have cash, uh, I do think the next three, six, 12 months, however long it takes are, are going to be incredible uh, generational opportunity that we're all going to look back on, you know, five, 10 years from now. And be like, wow, uh, that was a that was a hell of a time to buy stuff. Anyway, hope you guys liked this episode. You no, know, it was a bit of a long and uh, wonky monologue, but hopefully, you learned a little bit of uh, something about crypto and and macro. Uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, be sure to give me a follow on Twitter. Uh, I tweet informative stuff uh, you can find me there at uh at steven cesaro that's s-t-e-p-h-e-n-c-e-s-a-r-o and if you uh like the show have any thoughts questions uh feel free to feel free to send me a message anyway have a good week guys and uh, hopefully i'll be back with adam next week and uh, a little more comedy for you